Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score and I. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. And Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to the Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome to The Score with me, Michael Clark. Things have been a bit crazy lately, haven't they? It definitely would be easier to just say, hey look, no show, there's no sport, let's all just take a breather. But I know I am desperate to talk about football and I'm hoping there's people still out there desperate to hear about football. So what we're going to try and do is keep the show going. I've had to bring it to my house. I've set up a temporary studio in my home for the foreseeable future. I am playing this program behind closed doors, if you will. And I'm inviting people on each week to hopefully keep you informed with what's going on and keep you entertained. And so we'll do different things in different programs. Firstly, I'm social distancing. I'm not self-isolating, but it means sadly there's no Colin Hopkins uh, sharing a studio with me. So I look forward to the day we can get back into a studio together. But for the time being, I hope you're okay being lumbered with me on my own some and whoever joins me on the phone for a chat. This week on the show, we have two guests for you. We have the Managing Director of the Northern Ireland Football League on the way, and also a Regional Sports Editor for a newspaper. That's all coming up, right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yeah, welcome along. It's been crazy what's happened in the last week or so. Well, apart from all the obvious stuff that's been in the news, I was temporarily blocked by Facebook for six whole days, blocked from Facebook for impersonating a celebrity. Now, try not to laugh. Stop it, right? (laughs) They're saying I'm impersonating a celebrity. That's maybe a good description of me, actually. But they thought someone was pretending to be me, Um, which was very odd because I can't pretend to be myself. Anyway, um, I got sorted. I'm back on there and I can communicate with you. And hey, look. Now I'm even able to make this radio show happen, which, to be quite honest, when we were having meetings towards the end of last week and the start of this week, I was not convinced this was going to be able to happen. But here we are, broadcasting from my house. So, magical things, magical times. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Um, And as I say, we have two guests for you today. So we'll hear from uh, the second in a while. But firstly, uh, yesterday I was able to catch up with the Managing Director of the Northern Ireland Football League, Andrew Johnston. And we can hear that interview in full now. The Score with Michael Clark. Andy, thanks very much for uh, coming on today. No problem, Michael. I think it's fair to say that when you took up your role at the Northern Ireland Football League, you could never have envisaged a week like this. Uh, absolutely not, Michael. Uh, I think for everybody in all walks of life... Um, family life work life uh, and, and for general communities it's a it's a testing time a very challenging time and uh, 
we're in uncharted territory. Uh, we we I don't know if we fully expected the escalation of this pandemic uh, to hit us as quickly as it has. Um, but you know, our thoughts are with everybody uh, impacted uh, by the pandemic so far, and, and we hope that everybody is keeping safe and well. Yeah, and you know, as we sit here speaking today, obviously uh, on a, on a Thursday afternoon, um, the news reached us that the first uh, person in Northern Ireland to pass away from the coronavirus uh, as well has has happened. So obviously, our thoughts are with uh, their connected families and friends. Um, you know, people listening, obviously, first of all, will be just desperate to get football back. I mean, how how far away is that from happening? Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of people I know from from one weekend off. Uh, I've noticed social media and text messages and conversations with people. Um, it does show you the impact that the football has on, on people's lives and uh, just being able to do their their, their daily day to day routines. Um, at the moment, uh, Michael, where where we are, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, the guidance and the the information. That, that we all receive uh, appears to be fast moving and, and evolves day by day. Um, to date, um, we have been we have just been keeping a close eye on developments. And, and last night, we we actually held conference calls with, with our board firstly, and then with the Premiership, Championship, and the Premier Intermediate League Management Committees, which was really an opportunity for us to update uh, our clubs on um, the position as we understand it and uh, to, to lay out um, some key principles and, and highlight some of the matters that we have already been working on uh, in, conju- in conjunction with other partners and stakeholders. Um, and one of the key things we have done, we have set up a, a steering group to, to really look at, uh, one, uh, what the potential calendar options may be uh, to allow us to conclude the season, and then also to assess the the impact that uh, the current um, suspension and period of closure uh, is having on our on our clubs, um, and obviously for us, um, none of us have experienced this, so we are taking that at the moment day by day, but trying to make progress uh, with every day. I mean, the setting up of a steering group obviously is positive, and that there's people looking at it. Um, can I ask sort of how that? steering group has been set up you know who who's on it representing who yeah uh, no 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 problem uh, the steering group uh, is a group which comprises the the chair and, and vice chair of the board the chair of the premiership management committee and the chair of the championship management committee and also uh, one of our independent directors um, who in his day job as a, as a leading sports lawyer has been abreast of uh, a number of issues and impacts on, on the sports sector. Um, so, as I say, their two main tasks are to look at potential calendar issues and, uh, and obviously then the, the impact uh, and the ongoing impact that this uh, suspension period or period of closure uh, will have on, on, on football uh, in Northern Ireland. I think we've seen, you know, far beyond football, just the the level of um, anxiety, understandably, in society at the moment because there's it's such uncertain times. Um, in, in terms of clubs, how would you describe the mood at the moment? I mean, is there a sense of optimism, or is there a, a fear of what could be if this goes on for a significant period of time? I think, Michael, at this point in time, there's almost a period of shock in that mm. I don't think anybody maybe fully expected um, 
this to happen, you know, I think if we went back a month ago, um, I don't think anybody really had in their head some of the, some of these issues that we faced in the last the last week. Um, what we are bound by, and I'm sure you're you're fully aware uh, that UEFA announced a, a commitment or, or, or their aim that all domestic and European competitions would conclude this season. And I think that was that was useful in that it, it did uh, set um, set down, I suppose, a tone that uh, for the sporting integrity of competitions, um, they would like to uh, to be in a position that all leagues would c- conclude. Um, their time frame at this point in time uh, would be that all uh, competitions would conclude by the end of June. Now, understandably, um, everybody. Um, is waiting to see if that time frame is realistic. We have been in touch with with other uh, leagues across Europe, and uh, we know that um, they, like us, are making plans uh, for um, how we could um, conclude the season within that time period. But uh, quite clearly, there is a there is a pressure point that if we aren't um, back playing, um, you know, by the end of May, that that becomes very very difficult so it's something that we'll just closely monitor along with our counterparts across Europe. Is there a chance if it, if it goes on beyond that deadline that the league would just be cancelled null and void? Uh, at, at this point Michael the, the all of our discussions has been on, on what our options are to conclude the league and uh, that, that's where our focus remains. Because it's obviously something uh, there's a lot of speculation online about it at the moment Um and maybe depending on where you are in your season, uh, would would suggest how strongly you would back that or not. Um, is it something you can categorically rule out happening? Again, um, UEFA and, and the European leagues, uh, I probably should add, um, have, have set the directive that the maximum effort uh, should be made to conclude the season. Uh, obviously, that is heavily dependent on the the global situation with regard to the pandemic. Um, I fully expect and understand that there will be further updates on that position as time time moves on. Um, I do know that their key consideration is protecting the sporting integrity of, of competitions. I'm sure uh, if it can be played and be played safely, no one will complain about that. Um, in terms of the, the sort of structure of leagues, um, is there a, a chance that, I don't know, you could have a reduced fixture schedule or... Um, change the formatting in some way to allow these to take place has been maybe suggested in some quarters. Uh, again, <laughs> and it might sound it might sound again uh, our our uh, our aim and uh, the directive for us is to conclude the season and that conclusion would be uh, in in full. Um, so we're all seven games played for each club. Yes, should things change. Um, you know, we may be asked to look at alternatives, but at this point, we are looking uh, and we're working in conjunction and in accordance with the UEFA uh, decision on Tuesday. You know, as a managing director, who are you leaning to for advice? I mean, are UEFA providing a lot of support here, or are you having to read the news yourself and make judgment calls? Just how hands-on is this, and and how much support is there for you in, in such a crucial time for local football? That level of support has come from from a few areas. One, um, I have to say, 
um, our board and uh, some of our clubs have been excellent in in, in, in lending support and, and uh, assistance on this. Um, outside of that, um, we're a member of the European Leagues organisation, which has been has been very useful. Um, that we have received regular updates on on really what the situation what the situation is across Europe uh, with regards to closures, playing games behind closed doors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just in the last twenty four hours, um, probably last forty eight hours, sorry, uh, since the uh, UEFA decision. We're starting to, to get receive more information from other leagues about what their plans are for resumption. Um, but as I keep saying, all of that is heavily dependent on uh, the current situation um, and uh, what that looks like in the next few weeks. Um, and I think nobody really knows and nobody can really categorically state what what, um, what their plans are at this stage. When football funding has been such a big talking point, um, does this sometime down the line strengthen that argument for increased funding in the local game obviously it couldn't do anything to combat a pandemic and that isn't the suggestion but in terms of what football provides for people their mental health their well-being and um, the, the impact we're already seeing and people feeling totally lost and they've only really missed a weekend so far yeah i mean i, I I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that football uh, is key to to society and and, and, and uh, gives so much back to the community and can actually be the glue that knits a lot of communities and people together and provides an outlet for, for so many people. Um, and it does, you know, it does assist people in, in social interaction, their mental health, their well-being. And um, I think, as you quite rightly said, in the last few days, that has maybe come to the fore. Um, I'm also a strong believer that um, we have a... a a league and a body of clubs here that, that are worthy of investments. Um, I am I am absolutely aware and conscious that um, those things are something that we have we have uh, discussed and we have uh, in a way campaigned for 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 a number of of years. Um, but at this time, um, the the focus has to be on uh, getting through the next uh, two three months from. For, for our clubs and for the league, but there is a wider consideration of the impact this is having on everybody's daily lives in terms of their 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 health, um, their their jobs, their their, their career, um, and also you know anybody who, who is involved in businesses and, and maybe are, are under pressure from from an employment point of view, and that that obviously takes priority, and those life uh, implications take priority, but. I do believe football, um, when we uh, get uh, through this, this current situation, football will have a big role to play in uh, bringing communities back together and giving, uh, providing hope for communities and giving something uh, back to, 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 to the communities in terms of something to look at and aspire to and something to get behind. And I think football and, and sport in a wider sense uh, is a very, very powerful tool in times of adversity. And very well said. I echo that. Um, in terms of the uh, the structure of football clubs, obviously very few clubs are in this country are full-time teams. That's another aspect of it, which makes it challenging for this league to respond, doesn't it? And for indeed for all of our leagues to respond when people have other jobs to consider and, and people are, are trying to process other things outside of what is happening at their football club. Um I guess that all comes into the consideration with these steering groups trying to pull all these clubs in the right direction whilst respecting there, there's also more happening than just football. Yeah, I, I, 
absolutely. And, um, you know, there, there is a wider situation that, that, that is at play. And, you know, when, when we are keeping an eye of, uh, daily, um, government updates and briefings, it's maybe something that, um, as a wider population doesn't happen too often and, uh, has probably become a key part of everybody's day in, in the last week. Um, for us, uh, you know, when we, when we had the discussions with clubs last night, the aim was to, uh, in a way, manage expectation of the clubs um, and also uh, maybe try to curb some speculation that has been, as you've mentioned, has been out there. Um, you know, for us, um, we have probably tried to advise the clubs that we are working on a number of uh, a number of considerations and issues that we know uh, are problematic to clubs at this point in time. Um, but because we are really in an uncharted territory we do need time um, as do uh, the IFA as do UEFA as do FIFA need time to, to work through some of these issues uh, which are unprecedented and, and, and were not expected um, so there is a, a period of time that will be required to come up with some of the answers and unfortunately we just don't have uh, answers for, for every question at this point in time but it's something that we're committed to, to working through and uh, I think uh, across uh, the country and across all sectors of business and communities, everybody and every organisation and every household is facing those same questions at this point in time. And uh, just finally, how are you finding social distancing yourself? You haven't done any toilet roll keepy uppies, have you? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I have <laughs> um, seen a lot of these videos. I, I probably will end up uh, dipping my, my, my toe in the water on that one because... <laughs> I have a funny feeling it'll give me something to do. Yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've, uh, I've found it really, really interesting. And, and I think actually, again, going back to the power of sports, the, 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 the power of football, I found it really, really interesting that I know from my own son, who, who, who is normally a football five, six days a week, um, he's getting videos sent through every day by his, uh, by his football club and his coaches. Um, we, we, we challenges, we, we skills drills to do, um, you know, against the wall in the back garden or in the, and, uh, again, I just think it's fantastic that sports and, and, and sports clubs have a wonderful way of, uh, engaging with, 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 with their members and, and with supporters. And, uh, you know, I think the power of social media, I've, I've noticed, um, some of the Iron lads have put on their, uh, their, uh, their social distancing and their, <laughs> very uh, good their stuff, yeah. Programs and, Again, I think it's just a wonderful way to keep uh, people's spirits up and interacting with, with supporters. And I think that's something that, uh, going back to the earlier comments about the power of sport and, and bringing communities together, you know, those small things um, can have a big, big impact. And um, I think sport uh, can often bring people together in ways that um, other other sectors of society um, struggle with. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's... Uh, Hopefully it's, uh, it's something that can continue. And uh, for uh, last thing for our listeners here on the score, I understand deadlines are going to move at the minute because information's changing so rapidly, but when is sort of a, a good time, I guess, or when is a rough time that they might hear a further update from the steering group? Have you set a deadline at the moment for the next update? Um, I think at this stage, uh, Michael, I mean, that steering group has been has been uh, established last night. We're we're due to commence discussions 
uh, within that group um, in the next few hours um, and probably reading it in, over the weekend as well. Um, we are we are mindful that any updates you know have to be purposeful and have to have meaning and um, the, the the initial updates um, will be quite clearly with our with our clubs and with our members. But as and when we have uh, bigger um, announcements, we, we will obviously be keeping the the, the general public informed. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming onto the program. And I would just say, if you're going to do any keepy uppies in the house, stay away from the fine china. <laughs> no problem. No problem. There you go. Andrew Johnson, the Managing Director of the Northern Ireland Football League here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Okay, now in the programme, I'm happy to welcome a second guest. He is the sports editor of The Newry Reporter, and he's no stranger to our airwaves. He's been on the show before. Gareth McCulloch, good afternoon. Afternoon, Michael. How's things? Uh, well, uh, a little bit more boring <laughs> than normal, I think it's fair to say. Uh, well, I mean, I think we're all pretty much in the same boat. So, um, yeah, it's an odd time for, for everyone, isn't it? It's incredible. Um, we've started to see some opinion online come out from obviously uh, the steering group's been established by the Northern Ireland Football League and clubs are maybe slowly but surely starting to express how they feel about the current climate because there's so much uncertainty. Um, from sort of a Newry and Mourne area, um, what are the clubs in around that district thinking? Um, well, I suppose at this point in time, I've only really been able to speak to Darren Mullen from Newry City AFC, um, and hopefully we'll get speaking to representative of Warren Point Town later on today. Um, obviously, they're the two clubs in our area. From Newry's perspective, um, they were obviously involved in the conference call last night, um, which has been widely publicised at this juncture. Um, I think from 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 Dyer's perspective, the ideal scenario was to get the season finished, um, you know, in in full. I know Matthew Tipton had come out and said earlier in the week that you know a possibility was to play the last game or two before the split and then sort of cut it off there. Um, obviously that's a, that that is a realistic possibility. Um, from Yuri's perspective, they they want to get the season finished. Um, you know, whenever that may be. But as as we were talking off air there, Michael, the, the key is that. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, any decisions that are made at the moment are, are really much sort of temporary decisions. You know, we, we can't put anything concrete in place, you know, in, in any sort of aspect of life at the moment. Um, so, you know, from my personal point of view, I would prefer to see the season finished. Um, I think from, well, I understand Matthew Tippin's call, you know, to possibly play those last couple of games and, and, and knock it in the head there. It does. It would bring in the the question, sort of the integrity of of the league, um, and you know I'm sure Portadown and, and Matthew don't want you know people to be turning out in opposition fans to be maybe winding them up in years to come and say, well that title mm-hmm. wasn't really a proper title, it wasn't a tainted title. Um, but you know, look, if that has to happen, then it has to happen. As I said, we're just so much up in the air at the moment, and you know I appreciate the likes of likes of Andrew and and everybody at Niffle and the IFA have such a a tough decision to make. I think they've handled it pretty well at the moment um, you know they're much like the rest of us we don't know what's going on and the one thing I will say that whenever we eventually do get back to football I don't envy the people working in admin um, in any of those organisations and are having to restructure the fixtures and things like that because that's going to be a heck of a job. It's incredible times and I mean try and paint a picture for me how does this directly impact Newry City apart from obviously no matches to be played. Uh, financially, it obviously has a burden too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, even if even looking at if the matches were finished, you know, you have two games to play before the split, um, away at Derby and away at Portadown, and so if the league was to finish after that, um, you really wouldn't have any financial income in terms of get receipts, um, because there was no home games, um. So from from that in that respect, you know. There's no income at the moment, you know, from from get receipts, and um, you don't have people around the club. You're obviously um, have players' contracts need to be honoured. Now I'm not sure what the situation is is with that at present, but you know, I suppose legally they're entitled to be paid. Um, you know, you even have um, a few down at the showgrounds so have three sort of uh, mini five-a-side pitches out the front yeah. that are used frequently and they have now been closed so that's a massive source of income there they're quite busy every night during the week so even from the issue you may be saving money in terms of not using the floodlights and things like that um, but it's it's going to be a, financial, a massive financial burden not only in Uri but I think probably quite a few clubs and even quite a few premiership clubs you know there's not a um, there's not a huge Deal of, great deal of resources um, floating around the likes of you know Newry and Warren Point. Newry don't have a, a a one sort of huge financial backer um, that is able to sort of keep the club going um, in terms of paying everybody you know as they meant to be paid between now and the end of the season, whatever that may be. The other knock-on effect it's going to have is that um, you have sponsors. Newry rely heavily on sponsors. Um, you know, uh, and do a, a massive amount of work in terms of fundraising through sponsorship uh, over the course of each season. When when the league eventually finishes and you, you're you're looking at maybe starting next season, it's quite a distinct possibility those businesses that are contributing to the club at the moment might say, "Well, look, we have to cut our cloth accordingly here. Where where this is obviously going to impact on business and the economy hugely." So, you know. The first thing to go could possibly be the likes of you know, the sponsorship that's being contributed to Newry, and then obviously that has a knock-on effect to the club. So, it's it financially is is obviously the biggest. Uh, I suppose it's not about too fine a point. It is the biggest worry, um, because you know it's a small club that has obviously has been widely publicised, has got its way back up through the leagues in the last few years, and, and it's been run right. But there's absolutely no way you know any club or anybody could legislate for what's happening currently. No, I mean, and when you look at the stories, including Bruce, you mentioned Gladbach's players saying they're going to forego their wages in order to support the club's additional staff being paid, everyone else around the football club. Um, if that's happening in the Bundesliga in Germany, well, then obviously the Irish League's going to feel it even more. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, we obviously, you know, we're all supporters of the Irish League and we never like to see a club going under and, or, you know, or even experience financial financial difficulties. Um, and I think, you know, it's not a case of, you know, Newry certainly won't be unique in this position. Um, as I said, there'll be a lot of clubs that will, will, will be finding it tough and a lot of businesses as well and a lot of people, um, over the next few months or, you know, however long this lasts. So from, from that perspective, it's, it's tough, but as a, as a hard back to what I said earlier, it's the not known. It's just the, the you know, we can't set a date on, okay, in two months' time, we'll be back playing football and there'll be people coming in through the gates and, you know, there'll be money readily available. Um, you just don't know. And it's really, you know, the, the, the term, it's a fluid situation. There's not one that I sort of like, like to use, but mm-hmm. because it's been bandied about so much, but it is, it's just changing day by day. So, um, you know, every club and every sporting organisation is is going to find it tough over the next couple of months, and you just hope that when we eventually come out of it, that we we're not sit, sitting looking at you know a, a you know one particular sport or a club being decimated. Um, which, but you know, it's a distinct possibility. 
I mean, funding in football in Northern Ireland has been a, an ongoing and a protracted conversation. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. Let's let's hope that there is going to be some funding made available. I'm I'm sure there's plenty of different conversations going on behind closed doors at the moment as to what can be done. I mean, when we see um, large businesses losing um, huge amounts of their staff, even if it is supposedly on a temporary basis being laid off, it's little consolation to you if you've been affected by that. So it's it's obviously something that um, across the world at the moment. Uh, financially places are being uh, massively affected unfortunately football can't escape that either and uh, so it remains to be seen what can be done um th- this idea of you know getting all the games played we've seen the premier league have further pushed back their uh, date now in terms of uh, the postponements um I- i'm assuming the irish league is probably going to be following suit really it can't do much different can it no, I mean, I think you generally, even though it's obviously at a much different scale, um, we're talking about, you know, football over here to football in England and even Scotland. Um, we generally sort of, sort of seem to take our cue from, from the likes of the Premiership and the AFL. So, um, uh, you know, it was no surprise that, uh, the Premiership decided to push, push it back another four weeks. Um, I fully expect that same, particularly after discussions last night with all, all the clubs, that the same thing will happen over here in the, in the coming days. Um, you know, uh, initially, whenever that date of April the 4th w- w- was put out, you know, I think at, at that time, it was probably a fair enough, um, fair enough decision. I, I don't think because again I, nobody can predict where we're going to go so you know probably pushing it back another few weeks even at that um, if it had been April the 4th and players coming back and you know the, the league saying okay we can play fixtures we can play matches now from April the 4th onwards but with players with clubs not really training properly certainly not being match fit you know I think it would it would take maybe a week or two for those players to get back into the swing of things before you could really play games. So, you know, another few weeks, um, really in the grand scheme of things, probably isn't going to make that much of a difference. So, it's I fully expect Niffles uh, and the IFS to come out with a, a similar statement over the coming days, and then you know we just have to just have to take it from there, really. You know, if we look at the English example, and maybe it's uh, Man United fans are guilty of this. Oh, just just scrap the league, you know, uh, that <laughs> null and void. Who needs that old season anyway? It's not like anything important's going to happen for the first time in 30 years. Um, do you think there's portions of any Irish league fans that feel that way about this season? You know, just just scrap it and start again, or do you think? Uh, obviously, we know clubs' uh, opinions, or are we starting to see clubs' opinions. Do you think fans would rather the season was just cancelled and just let's just draw a line under it, or do we want it to, to keep going if we can? Um, personally, as a as a, an Irish League fan, I would be able to consensus that no, I don't think any any Irish League fans would, would want to see the, the league just you know made null and void. Um, I mean, as a Man United fan, um, <laughs> I would gladly see the Premiership null, null, null and void. And uh, you know, at worst, Jordan Henderson lifting the Premiership trophy behind closed doors. Honestly, <laughs> that would be quite funny. But you know, at the end of the day, Liverpool deserved to win the title. But um, as much as it pains me to say that, yeah, yeah, we've like, we've got him on record saying it now, folks, as well. Just before our our uh, Twitter notifications light up here, anti Liverpool broadcast. Far from it. <laughs> Um, from an Irish League perspective, uh, I think I mean if you're if you look at the league, if we, we hark back even, I mean what are we the, the middle of March? If we hark back even a month, six weeks, um, you know we were talking about this, particularly the Premiership. It was the, the tightest title run in years, um, and it's been fantastic for the league. You know there were so many things being put out there about how it was the closest to you know, the top five at one point in in the in the whole of Europe, um, and. 
you know, it, it was brilliant for the league. It was brilliant. The product over the last few years um, since the league has been run by Niffle has just increased and grown and professionalised exponentially. And I think it's fantastic the, the, the job that Niffle have done in that regard. Um, you know, again, as I keep saying, we're, we're in unprecedented times at the moment. So I think it's just a case of wait and see. I personally wouldn't want to see the league null and void um, because I think it would be unfair on those clubs that... Um, have you know are, are currently sitting up there in the league? Are currently sitting looking for European positions? It'd be unfair in the likes of I suppose Portadown, who have been at the top of the championship for you know quite a number of months. And um, you've got other clubs that are challenging or are looking to make it. They're either there for the first time or making it back to the promised land of the Premier Division. You've got relegation things to consider, and these will have such a massive impact on clubs going up or coming down. And you know. It's fair to say probably clubs have almost budgeted for where they plan to be next season. You know, especially at this time of time of the season, they're probably looking at speaking to other players quietly and signing them out for for the following season, depending on what what league they're in. So, I think it should be finished. Whether that's the case of it's you know before you know the end of June, whether it's a case of it runs into September or it's done earlier, I don't know. But certainly, my feeling would be. Get them played as and when you can, but I think it would be totally unfair on on certain well on every club really to just start again and scratch it completely. Obviously, UEFA want it finished as soon as possible, and and that does seem to be the directive now. All the the nations are trying to follow. Um, in terms of the Irish league, um, obviously elsewhere talking about behind closed doors, is that any good to the Irish league playing behind closed doors? I I don't think so because I mean clubs rely so much so heavily on gate receipts um, attendances are up you know year on year uh, it's not a case of a, a, a Man United or a Liverpool or a, a Chelsea or an Arsenal or Man City who well maybe not Man City because they don't, they don't regularly fill their stadium but um, I mean in, there's in the Man United fan coming out in you of course I mean I've, I've nailed my colours to the last here Michael <laughs> um, but you know yes a big part of their, their income is full stadiums and, and get receipts but they don't rely on them as much they have far more revenue streams than actually clubs have actually clubs are heavily reliant on their supporters and the loyalty of their supporters and even you know big away days the likes of you know Warner Point Town for example who you know, will be covered down in, in Newry who by their own admission don't have a, a huge home support but they do rely on, on away supporters coming down so if you can get a Linfield down or a Glentoran down who bring a big support it's, it's key to them over the course of the season um, so from that regard it, it does have such a, a huge impact if you were playing games behind closed doors now I still do think that if it came to the crunch uh, and games were required to be played behind closed doors in order in order to get them finished, then if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. Um, you know, we're in a unique, uh, unique situation, so that's that might be one possibility. But from a financial perspective, um, it's going to be very, very tough. You know, you have to balance out the the factors of well, you know, are we going to forego a financial you know, sort of a payday to get matches finished, or you know, are we going to you know, insist that we have full full games with full support and things like that. I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I have a feeling that when it comes back down to it, you are going to see some matches played behind closed doors. Um, uh, just in order for, I mean, at the end of the day, the public's health 
is much more important than, than football is. You know, as important as football is, um, there are an awful lot of other factors to consider when it comes down to it. Yeah, most certainly. And, you know, whether broadcasters are able to assist in any of those games being shown yeah. or, or increased coverage or whatever, who knows. But you're right, it's health and well-being is obviously going to be paramount uh, throughout all of this. Um, for you as a sports editor... How on earth do you keep going? I mean, you must be thinking, right? I need to be the most creative person I've ever been this year now. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. Um, you know, it, it's probably actually more difficult for for guys that are working in daily national papers who are having to having to fill their sports section, you know, day in day out. Um, obviously, I I am sports editor of a, of a weekly paper. Um, I suppose they they they. they flip side of that is that because everything changes day by day um i'm looking at you know putting the most up-to-date stuff in and it has to can only be done at the last minute so it does put you under a bit of pressure when it comes to deadline day but you know at the end uh, at the end of the day that's really why we're all in this job you know it's sort of that sort of stress is something you're used to um in terms of actually you know content and and, and filling the paper um i mean we obviously have to feature you know Basically, you're speaking to your local managers. You're speaking to all your sports sort of um, had to cancel and shut down due to the the epidemic that's happening. Um, so you yeah you do have to look at creative ways. You know, we have to delve into our archives. We ask our, our readers to contribute. You know, um, ideas even because at the end of the day, they're they're, they're the people that that read our paper. They're the people that pay pay our wages. So we want to give them what they want. Um, we, take, we always try and have a couple of feature interviews, a couple of long-form interviews every week um, or every couple of weeks, and we always like to have a couple of those in the, in the can, as I say. So now they're just a bit more accelerated um, because we still have to provide a – we're providing a service to people. So um, it does actually lead it to be – you know, it's quite quite interesting. It's, it's, it's tough, but, it, but it's quite interesting because you, you tend to actually – do more original stuff. You, you yeah. do more original articles. You're speaking to maybe people that you haven't thought about speaking to, but when it, as it turns out, they, they, these people can be the, some of the best interviewees that there are. Um, yeah, I'm, I'll be speaking to Darren Noonan, who's a, a ex Newry City centre back who left to go and uh, live in Australia last year. Um, now I think you know I'm hoping obviously to find out when he's coming back. So and then I can alert Darren Mullen and get him to um, <laughs> sign, sign him on a pre-contract as soon as humanly possible. Um, but the main thing is you know he's he's out in Australia. He's playing a bit of local football out there. Um, obviously they've been affected by the you know the coronavirus pandemic as well. So I want to sort of get his thoughts on it. Um, you know, we're speaking to also we cover GEA quite heavily down this neck of the woods and you know, we, we cover two counties and down in Armagh and we're sort of looking at going, well, they were both aiming for promotion into the National League. Mm. There's a distinct possibility the National League might not finish and this was the year that the championship, the All Ireland Championship was going to split into two tiers, but it was all reliant on how the league went and how the provincial championships went and they're obviously completely up in the air at the moment. So we, we do have a lot of that. Um we're probably fortunate in that regard in that we, we do cover such a wide range of sports from from all sort of parts of the community. So it's tough. It's fun. We're actually working from home at the moment. Um, our, our sort of deadline days are Monday and Tuesday. So myself, the editor and the deputy editor are the only ones in the office and we'll obviously be social distancing as much as we can. Um, and sitting, sitting, sitting a couple of meters, a few, a few meters apart, which is probably the editor and the deputy editor are probably happy enough with that because they don't have to, um, sit, 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 sit too close to myself. But from that regard, you know, 
we have to be there. We have to be in the office. Um, you know, the other stuff sort of working from home, you have to you have to discipline yourself and, and sort of set up that, you know, you get out of bed at the right time and you, you get up and get dressed and as if you're going into work and you get by your computer and you just work away and there's not really there's not really much else you can do. The biggest the biggest thing for me is that the think lack of emails we're receiving. We yeah. receive email upon email upon email. I'm sure you're the same. And you know, you're just checking your emails maybe, you know, every ten minutes and hitting ref- hitting refresh and you know, there's so little coming in bar, you know, random uh, emails from PR companies trying to flog you stuff. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it it's it shows what it shows is that everybody's affected. Um, you know, the, the important thing I think for the media, be it sport and news, is that you know, yes, you have to be creative, but you have to be truthful, and you have to be. Mm. You know, we, we we can't be. You know, it's never been my game, and I'm sure it's never been your game either, Michael. Where you, you know, you, you want to sensationalise something to the nth degree, and that can be the the the, the danger for some, um, because people you, you can't put anybody else in a panic, and you can't start putting stuff out there, you know, which is overly speculative. Um, you know, we need to be putting the truth out, and we need to be communicating with everybody, and, and everybody's in the same boat. And, and the way I look at it, there's always somebody on the site worse off. So you know, you just try and play on as best you can. Yeah, most certainly, it's not a time for venture capitalism at all, is it? I mean, it needs to just be a, everyone looks out for each other. And um, I tell you what, though, you see for anybody working from home, they're going to find it a bit tight, aren't they? You know, when they're saying, "Oh, look, of all these press and meetings," and it turns out they're just on phone calls about football all day. Yeah. Oh no, here massively. It's uh, it'll be a, an eye opener as well. Um, but uh, I'm just glad that I can sort of do this and pretend it's really hard work. <laughs> Working from home, it's it's a bit more comfortable today. You're phoning people you'd be speaking to anyway, but uh, the, the, you know it's a wee bit quicker to get the coffee and it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you surely, surely in work you have a couple of you know a couple of lackeys that will make you a coffee and things like that, bring you scones and buns and things. Like oh, that. I and maybe need to get on to that when I get back. Now it actually sounds quite good. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. It's around that time of day. But uh, no, I just wanted to say uh, before we finish this off because obviously you know people are desperate for for sports content at the minute and they can get it in uh, your paper weekly, obviously, and we're delighted to be able to keep doing this show. As I say. I've I've taken the show home with me and I'm I'm glad people are answering their phones Uh, but people really Irish League fans are desperate for that content and one of the clubs that's fantastic at it and I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone is Newry City some of the stuff they've put up recently I mean that video with the the supporter the other day where Darren went out and visited him um, it was just lovely yeah I mean um, it's something that I've been probably mooted you know Darren Darren is one of these probably unique people where he's not just a football manager. Um, 
he's such a huge part of the club and you know and very much woven into the fabric of the club um so he's always thinking about how he can do things maybe outside the box per se and Daniel Murphy, the supporter involved, um, he's actually a cousin of Mark McAllister. If, oh, right. If you didn't know. Yeah, so um, I think Mark once when he was playing for Linfield tried to give him a Linfield top um, as a present and Daniel just wasn't having it because he's, he's a great supporter. So I'm sure if Mark's listening, he'll remember that moment. But Daniel and his mum Mary go to the matches home and away. I mean, literally do not miss a match. Friendly, you know, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, whatever it may be, they don't miss a game. Um, Daniel's got the uh, Palsy, and he's just just loves the club. Just doesn't you know? It affects him big time whenever we lose, as it affects all as it affects all of us. It affects affects him particularly obviously when there's no football on. Even when there was a games, you know, a couple of games postponed due to the weather. Um, you know, that's his football fix. And you know, Darren just came up with the idea of why not go out and pay him a surprise visit and bring one of the players out, have a kick about at the back and, you know, I, I was lucky enough to, to be able to go out with him and just sort of watch and, you know, just a smile on Daniel's face, you know, it, it's more, you know, it's obviously the video has gone almost viral on social media, but, you know, that wasn't the reason the club did it, it was just a, a nice thing to do and the smile on Daniel's face just makes it something like that worthwhile. Um, the one thing about the club is, you know, Coming back to you know when they're reformed, that they're, they're very proactive and, and do things differently. Um, Adam Foley, who you had on there last week, um, even tweeted that he says this club just does things differently, and you know it's something that the club I think is very proud of and they deserve a lot of credit for because it's very much it was all, it maybe got accusations levelled at it you know a number of years ago that it wasn't enough of a community club, and you know certainly now it's very much embedded in the local community and things like that. You know, obviously go go a long way. Um, you know, like Ali McKenzie, the guy who filmed it, um, who's done a lot of senior stuff. He's done a lot of stuff for himself, and we've we've set up over the last few weeks, you know, last couple of months, I suppose, a, a podcast about about Nuri, and just just for the fun, not for for any sort of financial benefit. And it's obviously a very niche niche podcast because it's just about Nuri City, but you know. It's great fun to do it, and we still recorded this week's podcast just with the, with the two of us. We didn't have any guests on because you're just thinking, well, people are going to have a lot more time in their hands, particularly Newry supporters. You know, you may be sitting at home, and you maybe you maybe not out working, and you know, if we do, if the worst case scenario happens and we go into lockdown, people are, are going to need need stuff to do. So if you can keep providing content like 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 that, and you can keep doing your shows, you know, it it it's you'd be amazed at the difference they can make to people and, and how you can sort of you know greatly you know boost their mental health i suppose in, in, in a time like this massively i mean look we're we're in a time when people are it feels like it's it's only around the corner we're all going to be asked to stay inside an awful lot more doesn't it we're certainly being asked to work yeah. from home at the minute so yeah. you're going to get a bit bored looking at the same four walls if uh anyone can provide a bit of escapism or distraction or uh a reminder or a window even into the outside world and then let's try and do it and that's um absolutely the, the thought behind continuing the score definitely would have been easier just to say you know i'm just going to answer whatever emails come in and uh, make sure the programs go on in the station um as i double job as station manager but it's it's fantastic to be able to to have you on today have a bit of a chat and i'm already uh getting suggestions from people on twitter about maybe we should be comparing you know which grounds have the best burgers um which it's making me just want to get back to Irish League grounds even quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, as anybody who knows me, Michael, and as you will, um, you know, 
burgers would probably be my downfall. So, <laughs> if, you need, if, you, if, you need, if you need an expert opinion um, when it comes to burgers around the Irish League, uh, I'll gladly come back on and talk about them. Uh, first protocol would be Dungannon and Lockall. Yes. Extremely hard, extremely hard to beat, and that's not forgetting Yuri. But you know, I would uh, there's a long way to go probably to catch up with uh, Dungannon and Lockall. But you know, if we're doing a if you're, if you're doing a full show on burgers, um, I'm your man. There you go. You won't need the full uh, three hundred and fifty pounds that week, will you? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just, just. If you can just give me a sample of every burger, send them in. Post, I can eat them up the night. that'll be great. There's definitely a middle thing with the good burgers. I need to figure out that though. I've, I've been told reliably as well. Bam Bridge do amazing burgers. So, um, I've decided yeah. we're not going to fully conduct this survey on the program yet. I think once we're okay to get back into the grounds. I need a taste test and maybe clubs media officers could facilitate a sampling night or something like that you know just for promotional purposes oh, well, just, just, yes of course just for promotional purposes and yeah. the for me to help you that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the way I, mean, I want to help clubs get back in the fight so therefore you know I'll come down and eat as many of their burgers as humanly possible yeah. and as I said I'm, I'm, I'm readily available to assist you in that regard there we go. You see, uh, we're, we've got great ideas here, folks, and you're hearing them first here on The Score. Uh, Gareth, thanks so much for coming on to the programme. No problem, Michael. Anytime. Take care. There you go. They're the sports editor of The Newry Reporter, and you can also catch the uh, Shed End podcast. Go check them out on uh, all your social media platforms as well. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, that's pretty much us. Uh, bang out of time again we've uh, flown through this uh, for the next wee while the score will be on Lisburn's Nettiot FM and Bangor FM from 1 to 2 o'clock we're reducing it down to an hour hopefully you understand the reasons why uh, doing this from the home studio I think has been a successful little experiment and uh, so we'll definitely be uh, sticking with it and keeping these coming your way in terms of the format um, we'll return to the, the sort of sit-down interview style in due time when we can get back face-to-face with people. But for now, we'll be calling different people, chatting about different things. It won't always be this serious. Uh, I think this week's episode we had to touch on, obviously, some big and difficult topics because that's what's going on at the moment, and it would be wrong not to reflect that. However, um, maybe you can send me some ideas of things you'd like covered or people you would like to hear on the show and if uh, they're happy to come on and we can make it happen uh, we'll do just that so thank you for uh, joining us as always uh, our radio listeners catch us again next Friday from 1 and uh, well if you're enjoying it as a podcast do it whenever you like it's not the joy of podcasts but uh, for me for today all that remains to be said is take care of yourself Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.